Ladies and gentlemen, it is me again, Sam Gilstrap, for the second time in the day. Can you stand it? The Ghost Lights podcast is a real thing. It is happening, so follow us on Podbean and iTunes. Do so immediately. Download our theme song, which is War by the Hypnotic Brass Ensemble. Um, for those of you in the know, and you saw The Hunger Games, Stanley Tucci's show within the movie had that same music as its theme song, because... Real recognizes real. All right, everybody. It is yet another day here in the spring break bonanza. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> we got the rapport. And that amazing laughter you hear in the background is Anastasia Davidson. Hi. Hello. How are you? I'm good. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being available. We've been trying to get you on for a while. I know. We really have. And it's, it's, um, it's rewarding. You're a cool person. Doing lots of things. I'm on spring break too, so this is why this is that's, working out. That's right. Enjoy it. Yeah, Savor it. Loving it. Yeah. So tell us right away, what are we working on at the moment? I'm working on a couple things. Ah. The main, I guess, main stage type show is called Going to a Place Where You Already Are mm -hmm. with Boulder Ensemble Theater Company, nice. which you just yeah. wrapped a show with. Um, Big up yeah. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's going really well. I'm in rehearsals. We open April 14th. Is that what it says on my card? April, April 12th. 12th April is 12th. previews, I think. Don't yeah. show up on the 14th because I think you have a, that's a dark day for you. Okay, thank you. Yeah, no All problem. right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we're just uh, still in the beginning stages right now, but it's it's a beautiful play. It's written by Becca Brunstetter, mm -hmm. who does writing on the hit NBC show, This Is Us. Oh. So if you like that kind of style, her writing is really cool and contemporary. And this play centers around two um, older people. Mm -hmm. uh, they say in the play, we're old-ish. Old Medium old or something. It's like a TV show called yeah. Grownish. Right, right. We're doing a lot of these ishes here. A lot of ish. But it centers around this couple and they start exploring kind of the idea of death and what happens after you're gone and where you go. Awesome. Yeah. That sounds really cool. So it's, it's interesting. And you're working with a fellow guest, James O'Hagan Murphy? Yes, yes. A future guest, Jim Hunt? Yes. And who else? Uh, so we've got those two gentlemen. We also have um, Anne Sando. Oh. And um, Trenton Schindel okay. is a, another cast member. And that's yeah. directed by Rebecca... Rebecca, Rebecca Romele, yep. Nice. Yeah, she's awesome. Nice. I'm really glad you pronounced the last name for me because... I always butcher it in my own saying it. I saw you pause a little bit there. Yeah. So. Rebecca, please fill in the void. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> well, Anastasia, you are here on the ghost lights, and we've we've decided that we're gonna we're gonna break from the mold. I'm kidding. Uh, we're gonna ask you the same what? question we always ask. Oh, okay. Theater. How the hell did it happen for you? Oh, how did it happen for me? Yeah. How'd you get into it? That's a great question. Uh, I. Actually, my love of theater came from my uncles. They, it's my dad's brother, my uncle Eddie, and his partner, my uncle David, my gunkles, if you will. Awesome. Yes. We think we coined that phrase too, by the way. Before Modern Family and before everyone else came, we had gunkles. I like it. You've got gunkles, I've got a gay dad. There you go. That's awesome. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. So they introduced me when I was five years old to an episode of I Love Lucy. And that was the moment, once they finally got me seated and down and watching it, like mm -hmm. 10 minutes in, 
that's when I became obsessed with Lucille Ball, and I knew that I wanted to act. Awesome. So ever since, I've I just involved myself in all of my school stuff, obviously, school plays and things. Mm-hmm. And then I went to undergrad for theater. I got my BA in theater. Then I worked a while professionally in New York City and Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And then I went and got my master's at Penn State for acting. And then I moved out here to Denver. So that's my my path in a nutshell. Wow. What was it about I Love Lucy that did it? What was it about Lucille? She is incredible. She is a comic genius, first Mm. of all. Yeah. And before, like, I I just was obsessed with the show. I thought she was hilarious. I loved her face. I loved her eyes. I loved her costume. And also, the rest of the cast was incredible. They were first, like, a real ensemble cast working on that Mm. show. And then I, after I became, like, really obsessed with her and, like, got all of the episodes and had, you know, like, my I Love Lucy jean jacket and my I Love Lucy alarm clock and everything, I started reading more, uh, reading her book, reading books about her, and just learning how impactful she was not only in the television world, but also for um, women in theater and Mm. comedians and... Yeah, she's just pretty groundbreaking as a human. Who were some of your other influences? She was pretty much it. She was it? Yeah, she was like the one growing up. And it's it's so interesting. Like, if you watch the show, so many jokes are still stolen from I Love Lucy. Like, you'll watch Friends and be like, wait a second, that episode where they're moving the couch up and down the stairs, that's kind of like in I Love Lucy when they move the TV up and down the stairs. And Yeah, there's just like a lot of stuff like that and... She she just paved the way. I mean, bringing Desi Arnaz, her own husband, first of all, on the show with her, and a Cuban actor, which was, like, unheard of. They did yeah. not want them to be married. They didn't want them on the show together. So mm. uh, that was pretty groundbreaking. And even the way they filmed... Sorry, I'm going off and off Do about it. this. <laughs> Do it. But even the way they filmed... They started the new uh, camera methods of filming with three cameras. Oh, sweet. So it was a big deal for like live sitcoms as well. Nice. The work that they did. It also inspired you to marry a Cuban, I hear. Yes, yes, I'm married to... No. (laughs) Sorry. Sadly, I'm not. Oh, oh. But I love you, Eric. Hi, hi, Eric. (laughs) Hi. So, as you started... You got two degrees in theater, yes? Yes. What is that... What is that like? I got my BA. Okay, cool. But what is the, I mean, but what are you, so you graduate, you get your first degree, mm-hmm. and you, I'm going to go back, do you, do you hope to teach? Is that something that's really something that excites you? I know that you do some stuff for CSF. I do, yeah. So I think I took about a five-year break from undergrad where I was auditioning in New York and mm-hmm. in some stuff in New York and in some stuff in Pennsylvania outside of Philly, um, and I worked for a great company called the uh, Bloomsburg Theater Ensemble, BTE, in Pennsylvania, which just was a great experience. But then after that whole, after all the auditions, after everything, first of all, I thought that it was time, like, when I graduated undergrad, I was done. I was Mm. like, I don't want any more classes. I don't need any more. I want to do it. I don't need any more people telling me how to do it. I just want to do it. And after five years of doing it, which was just a lot of auditions and a lot of hard work, and mm-hmm. um, I really felt like I could benefit from more training, one. 
two, I wanted to be able to have the option to teach at the collegiate level, which yeah. is what an MFA in acting grants you. Um, so that, that would open doors for me, I was hoping. And then also three, I think just making more connections and having a larger network I thought would be helpful. And I don't regret it at all. It was a fantastic experience mm. getting my MFA. Nice. Yeah. Do you, and you get, are you able to u- utilize that training? No. I think so. I, I definitely feel a lot more comfortable teaching because that was something before that I was like, I'm not qualified. I can't teach, which I'm always going to feel a little unqualified. You know, that's yeah. just human. I'm, I work with kids on a day to day basis and right. every day there's a moment where I'm like, I shouldn't be here. <laughs> I really shouldn't be here. The thought is like, there's, there are moments where I, for just, for a best example, where the F word wants to jump out of my body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What the fuck? Get your hands out of your fucking pants. <laughs> And then I that really, happens on the daily. Yeah. Just hands and pants. Hands and pants. Always. There's this one girl in our class who usually, like midway through the morning, just is now sitting on the rug in her bot- on her bottom. Like her, her, her oh, pants. Oh, her bare bottom. Yeah, pulled all the way down. <laughs> for no reason. Just sitting there, and she'll catch you looking at her, and then she goes like, oh, I probably shouldn't be doing this. And pulls it back up. You're... And I'm the only one that sees it because she sits in the oh. back and so do I. And I'm just like... What grade is this? This is kindergarten. Kindergarten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can't blame her. Yeah, so off off that tangent. <laughs> <laughs> so feeling a little more qualified, but you know, yeah. you never do. Yeah. Um, so that has definitely been a benefit just because I do work with CSF, Colorado Shakespeare Festival, and we tour Shakespeare to schools all over the Front Range. Mm-hmm. And we'll perform for the kids. And then afterwards, we have workshops with the kids on violence prevention and bullying awareness and prevention. Mm -hmm. And so uh, those workshops definitely, I had an easier time, I guess, training for them because of the work and the training that I had at Penn State getting Mm -hmm. my MFA. And, oh, sorry, plus... um, we can teach at the collegiate level, which at some point I would really like to do because awesome. you can just drop fucking f bombs all over the place, exactly. and those kids don't mind. No, they love it, it. becomes cool. Yeah. Oh man. Right. I love what she said. I love when she talks about Amber McTamber and uses the f word. Right. It's yeah. Great. Do you rap with Jay? You know that's a great question. So, <laughs> Jay, one of my teammates and castmates, is an amazing rapper, and he's good at like freestyle stuff. Yeah. So the answer, the short answer is no. <laughs> The long answer is last week before we went on spring break in one of our workshops, we're working on ways that the kids can do role plays in order to more fully inhabit and understand ways to stand up to bullying. Mm. So we bring the kids up and they come up with ideas on how like, oh, what could you do? And we base it off of the show that they've just seen. So in this case, we do two shows in rep, Comedy of Errors for Mm. young kids. And then we do Julius Caesar for the older kids. And in this case, we had just performed Julius Caesar for them, and we were working on ways that you could maybe stand up, and maybe Caesar doesn't have to die. What are some options that we have? And my class wanted to do a rap battle between the citizens and Caesar to convince Caesar not to become king so that he didn't have to die. And I was like, this is great. These kids are so creative. This is wonderful. So I was like, great idea. Come on up. We're going to do the rap battle. Let's go. And they were like, okay, but you have to be Caesar. I was like, what? No. <laughs> I was not prepared for this. <laughs> but I, I, I did a little bit. I did a little can, bit of rap. Can you, can, do you want to bust a flow with us right now? Uh, 
No. Oh, okay. But I will, I can give you a sample of my beatboxing. D- yes, let's do that. Let's okay. have a sample of it. You ready? One, two, three, go. Pretty bad. That's that's pretty badass yeah. right there. That's 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 much better than mine. Every time I do, I have to put my hands over my face. Okay, let's hear it. This this is this is Sam Gilstrap. So please send all of your hate mail to me <laughs> when I do this. And that's, that's I like it. that breath in though. The <gasps> yeah, that's me me choking on myself, trying not to laugh. <laughs> it's so embarrassing. Well, Thank you for doing that for me. Yeah, a teacher yeah. once said. He started us off with puff tip a ka tip a tip a puff ka. Oh. And then he taught us to just take out all the vowels. So puff becomes puff. Oh. And tipa becomes tip. That's pretty good. And then you can kind of go from there. That's so it's it's awesome that there's like a formula to beat. He ha- like that's what I need though. You know, yeah. like yeah. white girl from Connecticut, I need the formula. No, mm, totally. Totally. <laughs> yeah. There, there, we I think me and you both run the risk if we don't have that formula to fall back on of just being, we're just cultural appropriates. Right. And and for, and for that, I'm sorry. Yeah, me too. Yeah. But I did bust that out for the kids and they were slightly impressed. That's awesome. I mean, I don't think I won them over fully, but well, Did you drop any F-bombs in your Caesar wrap? No. Now see, that's where you would have had them. I could have had them, except, you know, it was 10th grade and... I would have gotten kicked out of school. Well, we don't need that because you still got to get that paycheck. That's true. Yeah. That is true. So with your education background, mm-hmm. how has that shifted your process? You've got a whole bunch of tools in the background. I'm sure you've studied Stanislavski and other methods mm-hmm. in regards to creating a character and then scene study. Yeah. Do you have that impact the way you go to the work? Yeah, definitely. I think that... Um, I mean, since I've always, a lot of stuff has come naturally to me, like the easy stuff, mm. for me anyway, is like, you know, the line memorizing, and the, well, which we have to be off book for rehearsal tonight, so we'll see how I do with that, oh, now nice. that I'm bragging about how yes. I can memorize a line. Thank you for taking the time out of the, the, the preparation for that. Yes. That <laughs> I'll would, blame you if I totally have do. to call a line tonight. Yes, just blame me. They'll, they'll understand. So certain things were just really natural for me when I was younger and growing up. And because of Lucille Ball, a lot of my style was extremely big. So like, oh, you just have to like open your eyes really wide and cry like with your mouth wide open. And it's like the Lucy comedy style of acting. So a lot of, especially my graduate education was some professors trying to pare that back. Mm -hmm. And a lot of my notes would be like, you're doing that Lucy thing again. <laughs> I'd be like, well, thank you. And they're like, no, 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 not a compliment. <laughs> so, yeah, I, some of the stuff that I take with me now, um, a lot of it is from some of the Meisner style type work that I've done, okay. which is a lot of work um, in, I guess, in a nutshell, it's taking all, everything off of yourself and putting it onto your partner. So whatever you're doing on stage, you're getting off of what you're getting from them. And it's not about you entirely. So you've got to get out of your own head, which is really hard for me to do. Get out of your own head and just place it all on them. And they will give you everything that you need. And you're just basically reacting. Mm. You're not acting. You're reacting off of them. So we studied a lot of uh, that. And that's something that I definitely try to put to use on Mm. the daily. Did you find, for me, coming... So much of my work when I'm outside of the rehearsal process, if I, if I meet with my acting coach, 
like I try and remember the notes that I was given during all the mm-hmm. time when I take a class at the DCPA. Did you find that that made you a more a heady actress, or do you or do you feel just as honestly as you ever would have? It actually makes me less heady mm. because when I'm on myself and I'm like, well, what are my notes? What am I doing? What was the last note that they that was given to me? It's all on yourself. Like, me, me, me. I wonder how I look right now. I wonder what my hair is doing. I wonder what my face is doing. And when I put that onto the other person and I'm getting all of my information off of them, I'm out of my own head and I'm just in the zone. Nice. So for me, it helps me become less in my head. Hmm. For sure. That's, that's, that's great. I feel like when you have such an array of knowledge, sometimes it may be difficult to shut that voice off. And it's cool that that... You don't seem to have that problem. I mean, I, I still have the problem. Ah. The problem is that I need to remind myself to take it off of me and okay. put it on the other. Nice. Like reminding myself that it's all about the other mm. and not myself. Very cool. Yeah. How... You spent five years acting in New York and you mm-hmm. came back here. What are the differences? That's a great between, question. Between the two markets with your... Because it sounds like you had, a, 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 for lack of a better measurement like a modicum of success out there i mean you were getting work yeah so I was. that's 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 awesome yes for a guy like me awesome you're getting work so what are, what are they like or how are they i would different? say new york was hard for me hmm. um i was only physically living in new york city for about two years in mm-hmm. the five-year break that i had and um it took about a year for me to get used to hmm. and then a year of really loving it I think that the major difference is just that the market is so much bigger. So out here in Denver, I was I was pleasantly surprised with the amount of theater that's out here. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I had just visited Colorado, I want to say maybe two years ago for the first time, and then my husband and I ended up moving out here. Mm-hmm. So I had no idea what to expect. And I was like, well, it's no Chicago, it's no New York. And really, I mean... The work that's done here is incredible, and the amount of theater that's here is incredible. I just think that the difference is that there is less of it, just because it's a smaller city. There's mm-hmm. less, there's less people here right now. I mean, a lot of people are coming out here, yeah. um, but that would be the major difference. And I think that it's a great thing, especially for me coming out here. I mean, I'm able to to be a part of shows that I would never have been a part of if we were in New York just because there's so many people auditioning for the same role. They've got, Mm -hmm. I don't know how many people that look exactly like me and, you know, can play the same role really well. They're all really talented and it's all who you know. So, Mm. uh, I, I was getting work, but it was for, um, smaller, smaller spaces on the Lower East Side. You know, it was great stuff, but it was, it wasn't like the type of stuff I've been getting out here. Mm. Which has been, yeah, I feel really fortunate. So like a saturation in terms of the pool to choose from in New York. Yes. Very dense. Yes. And we're out here, you have, you get, you are able to carve out more of a niche? I think so. Mm. Yeah. And I also feel like out here, I've been getting more of a variety because, I mean, New York is doing a lot more filming now for sure, but that was the theater city, you know, and Mm. LA was the film and television city mm-hmm. more so and I mean that's changing a big deal with all the Netflix originals and all these totally. different new places to film but I feel like here I've had the opportunity to do a commercial I've been doing voiceovers I do um, videos for the military like 
uh, different teleprompter type gigs. So oh, wow. there's just a great variety that you're able to get out here. It's not just theater. It can be a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. And that was really, um, that was a pleasant surprise for me. Nice. What kind of variety have you encountered? Because, I mean, and forgive me, I mean, you're young, attractive, white female. It seems like there's a lot of, there's a lot of opportunity. And in, in what, what type of variety have you encountered in the roles you've earned out here? And yeah, um, that's a great question. So I signed, when I first moved out here, I signed with Radical, mm-hmm. Radical Artist Agency. And they, I've booked a couple gigs with them. So I did an Enstrom's Candy commercial. Nice. Which was a lot of fun because I learned to really love Enstrom's candy. And mm. they've got great toffee for everyone who needs a little thing. Plug for Enstrom's. Mm. Uh, yeah, so I did an Enstrom's commercial around Christmas time. I did a commercial for Travel Pro Luggage. Um, some voiceover work for different jewelry stores. And I just finished a shoot the other day. Um, it's military training videos. Mm-hmm. So it'll be just... They dress me up in full uniform and you give information on different medical expertise, on how drugs are handled in the military, all sorts of different things. So that's given me experience with teleprompter work, which has been really valuable. And then as far as theater, my roles have been really cool and varying. I mean, we were together in the Catamounts show, You on the Moors Now, which Mm -hmm. was, that was a very... um, proper received pronunciation dialect but Mm -hmm. in a very like i I don't know i want to say like tough feminist type way yeah so that was a cool role last spring i was in silent sky with the boulder ensemble theater company and that was a role that took place around the um turn of the century 1900s about the astronomer henrietta levitt and her work with the stars so that was all corseted all buttoned up Mm -hmm. Then I worked at Curious Theater on Detroit 67, which was a role about a woman who has been kind of found in the streets and very badly beaten by someone. It's, she's very mysterious. And that was set in the 60s. So uh, jumping to the 60s and getting to play a woman that has a very seedy past and very mysterious past. Mm-hmm. And now right now the show I'm working on with Betsy, Going to a Place Where You Already Are, I've, I've been describing Ellie as kind of like a... I guess she's an edgy, troubled millennial, mm. which is a very different role for me. I got to get my edge on. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Someone that is thrives with Pride and Prejudice and yeah. <laughs> all the Jane Austen roles. <laughs> um, yeah, I got to... There's a straight-laced quality to you. Indeed, there is, mm-hmm. as yeah. I straighten my collar here. Yes. Button uh, all the way up to the top. Buttoned to the top. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got I to gotta <laughs> let that, that button go. <laughs> For my <laughs> my role in going to I a love place. How, I love how edgy is basically just the difference between number of buttons. Just used. one button. Just one button. It's take just it back. that little one. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then you're you're a badass. Everyone's gonna be like, whoa. Whoa. Look at the edge. It's terrifying. I can't. Can understand. you can you relax a little bit? <laughs> can you just pull back. Yeah, just bring it back. All right, Lucille. <laughs> Stop hitting me. What What do you find are the challenges that affect your work? Because, I mean, those definitely, I mean, for the best examples, Detroit 67, that character, mm-hmm. and then you on the Moors now. Yes. They're polar opposites in a lot of ways. Indeed. What What were the biggest challenges that you faced doing both of those? And is that, and are those challenges something that persists in all of your work? Do you even seek those out? I love a challenge. I think, I think my biggest challenge challenge is rooting the characters that I play in a reality. 
because I would have a really easy time playing any role and going super far out with it, but losing that bit of truth that makes the character human Mm -hmm. and in that losing a connection with the audience where they're like, wait, this doesn't really, that doesn't jive with how I think this should be. And so I, I think my problem is I could very easily caricature a role versus actually dig and find the depth and the, the reality in it. Totally. If that makes sense. No, absolutely. Which is, it's going to be a challenge playing Ellie for me just because she is so different from who I am. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to find everything sweet in her. Yeah. And after a while, it's like, no, I got to let her be a dick. She just is in this section. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they every character has redeeming qualities and you got to love who you're playing and you have to find what you love about that person because everyone loves themselves really yeah. deep down. So these characters have We're to love the themselves. all the hero of our own story. Exactly. So you've got to find the hero in all these people, but at the same time, Anastasia wants to be like, well, you know, actually she's kind of sweet here and this is, yeah, this is a nice moment. Mm-hmm. And really it's like, no, just let her be a dick. Yeah. Let her have that. Embrace That's what it. she needs. Yeah. Embrace the douchebaggery. Exactly. Yes. Nice. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you find that it's hard to take the, the judgments out of your character yes, analysis? I do. Mm. I have, I have trouble with that, Sam. I'm not going to lie. Oh, no. Yeah. I, because Why? I, I, want, I wonder if it's because I'm just a really judgmental person, and so I look at these characters, and I'm like, oh, so she's doing that. Oh, hmm. that explains a lot. Yeah. No. <laughs> Don't listen to her. <laughs> well, no, keep listening to her. Please stay tuned in. Yeah, we're not ending. Yeah. No, not yet, no. Uh, yeah, so I, I do have trouble with that. Mm. Why do you think that is? I mean, because it, it, is it something in, inherent for you? Because, like, for me... Like, this is, I often want to find the goodness in all of my characters. So it's something that I can bite into just because I don't want to feel like an asshole at the end of the night. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and like when I was doing Humayun for Guards of the Taj, like, he's a really lovable guy for a pretty decent chunk in the beginning. But mm-hmm. he's also so regimented and, and kind of stuck in that control he feels all, all around him mm-hmm. that makes him out to be a really unsavory dude and trying to justify his horrible act in act two um, it, that was that was tough that justification do you find that when you have that it's easier to do the work the to, justification yeah to find the good in that person is it easier to do the work or Maybe. Does that, does that matter at all? I don't know. I'm still exploring that. Mm. I mean, I think when you let yourself have the freedom to, one, to not judge the character, and two, not be afraid that the audience might not like you, ah. I think that's a huge, huge help. Mm-hmm. I know my character in Detroit 67, uh, Caroline, she wasn't beloved mm. of the audience you know she's an outsider coming into this family mm-hmm. she's the only white character in the play she's kind of like she's just bad news you yeah. know and she doesn't feel like she is and certain characters in the play don't think she is but to the audience coming into this world I mean she's not necessarily the most lovable character mm-hmm. she's got some redeeming moments but that was something I really had to come to terms with at the end where there's 
a bunch of characters in the play that are funny and heartwarming and just lovely and you just want to be with them the whole time and they're getting all these laughs and the audience is like right there and it was a hard uh hard realization when I was out there being like oh they're not going to be there for me like mm-hmm. they're listening and they're in it but they're not they're not coming along for the ride no. like they would with other characters you're not Sandra Bullock in The Blind Side right you're not, oh, you're not such safe. a good movie such a good movie yeah need to watch that again so it's an excellent trope. Yes. The, the, the white family or the white person saving the black family, the black child. <laughs> and that's not what your character does in Detroit 67. No, in this, in this story, the opposite is happening. It's actually the black family trying to save, save the white girl. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's a beautiful play. Do you seek out strong women? I mean, that's a good question. I think I'm definitely drawn to those parts, and those are the parts that I'm like, oh, I really want to get this, going into the audition and being like, if I could just have this part. Mm-hmm. But I think I, I audition for all all, all things mm-hmm. that come to me. I'm not going to turn down any opportunity. And I think that there's something to be said for the roles that are a little bit more weak and not quite as strong. Mm-hmm. and those are even more challenging in a way, you yeah. know? I mean, for someone like you, I mean, you've, you've created a pretty impressive body of work and skill set with your background education-wise. It, it is to, for a novice or the outsider looking at it, like taking a, we'll say, a weaker standing female and finding the reasons as to why she's being presented such in such a way. Mm-hmm. What's the things that are impacting her? That can that is a definite challenge, especially if you yourself haven't felt that to a degree, depending on what, what it is that's working against her. Yeah. Well said. Thank, yes. thank you. I do what I can. <laughs> <laughs> what what have been some of your favorite roles since you got here? Ooh, since I've got the problem is I have loved every single role I've had since I've been here. Well, go ahead and tell me about all of them. I think I just, I think I did. <laughs> I think uh, Silent Sky mm-hmm. was playing the astronomer Henrietta Leavitt was so cool and the cast was amazing. Um, and that was just neat getting to play, again, a really strong, smart female mm-hmm. that like at her time men were taking credit for all of her work and everything that she did at the Harvard Observatory and she was just paving the way for the rest of us. Mm-hmm. It was like a hidden figure before her time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was fantastic. Um, and yeah, then going on to work on the Catamounts, you know that experience with you on the Moors now. It was Absolutely. fantastic. It was just... The thing I really loved about that piece was how uh, ensemble-driven it was mm-hmm. and how uh, we were really... The movement really took the piece on a journey. Oh, I don't yeah. know how you felt. No. With, I, yeah. I thought the movement was really cool. I, I, I was nervous about it. I think, I, like, I think some of us men were. <laughs> we, are not, we were not the most nimble-footed f- people in the room, I don't think. The, the pre-show stretching was a unique experience. Yes. And I, was, I was thankful that we were doing it, um, just because I'm a, I'm a stiff guy, and I usually don't right? make time for yoga. So, <laughs> you know, you do what you can. You get your, you get your lunges in when you can. Yeah. But it, it was a challenge, uh, mainly, mainly because of all of the, like, the... 
to incorporate movement into any piece, especially if something that seems to be pro- presented it with such a modern vernacular, mm-hmm. it's it was it was interesting because I don't I don't I don't associate that kind of movement and dance with the things I watch that are made today. Yes, it's like a, it's like a special episode of whatever. Right. That's when they incorporate the song and dance, and it's like, oh, that was, that was a fun departure. All right, get back to the real thing. <laughs> right. And so to have that be balanced in was really interesting. And I loved watching how precise it got. Yes. That was the, that was the thing that's always tough for me is like making sure that we're all making the right movements at the right time, bouncing out. Like, I mean, walking out on stage with Austin, checking out that one side of the audience and trying ever so hard not to get my cue off of his body moving. I got really in tune to seeing his head Right. Bounce before I could move, and that, like, that's what freed me up on a lot of those things. That's a that's the part that I remember the most about it, though, mm. is the lanterns and the music oh, that was coming yeah. out as you all came out with your lantern lights and the levels of yeah. the movement. I mean, it's not like there were complicated steps, but the specificity, like you were talking about, how it got really um, specific by the the end, was cool. Mm-hmm. I think about it a lot. Nice. It was, that was that was just a. 13 other actors in a room that all had a great array of skill and yes. like there were all kinds. So many things to add. Like yeah. everyone had their own their own addition and it was really cool. I was the only jerk backstage. It was nice. You know, <laughs> it, it's good that I, I get that one role. You had that one. Yeah, I don't me. think you were ever a jerk to me backstage. Well, no, no. I provided beer. So I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't, a, I wasn't mean to you. I was mean to Matthew and Oh, to the guys. Brian, Joe. Yeah, we didn't know what went on in that dressing room. No, no, we were. I don't think we. Other than the dance parties, we weren't privy. Yeah, no. To we what kept the doors closed there. for a long time for a lot of reasons. It smells pre-show. It's weird. I see. Mm-hmm. So yeah, then um, at around the same time we were working on Catamounts, I was working with Colorado Shakes again mm-hmm. uh, on the school tour, but I also started working with Curious Theater on a show called Black with a capital B. Mm-hmm. And this is a show that I'm still touring now. We kind of have sporadic uh, tours with it. But it's a show that was written by a young playwright, Lamaria Amina, and she was part of the Curious New Voices Festival. Mm-hmm. So Curious Theater here in Denver does this really cool uh, playwriting program where young people can come and workshop some plays for a couple weeks in the summer. And then they'll get to hear their play read by professional actors. And in this case, Lamaria's play, Black, with a capital B, was selected to go on and tour in different areas. So I work on the show with Alasia Gray. She's my fellow actor. Very talented. Yes. And we were, it's a two-person cast. And the story is basically, it's only a 25-minute play. Hmm. But it centers around a white woman and a black woman. They're both mothers, and it's the conversation that comes out of their meeting. Mm. And I don't want to give too much away. It's a beautiful story, but in such a short time, it evokes such thought and such reflection and conversation that afterwards we have a discussion that usually lasts about an hour. So the whole, the whole show itself is about an hour and a half because the play is 25 minutes, and then we've got the talk back afterwards. Um, but it just sparks really great thoughtful conversations about race, about where we are today in our society, about um, people's different feelings about it. So, yeah, that's been a really great experience. 
and we tour in high schools. We haven't done any middle schools yet, mainly high schools, libraries, community centers. We just had a performance at um, the Colorado Community Church last weekend. Oh, cool. And it's been a really cool experience. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool that they, especially, I mean, how old are those kids that are writing those plays? Like, usually... She was, I believe she was 19 to 20 when she was writing it. So, yeah. Pretty young. And they've got kids of all ages. I think, I'm not quite sure where the cutoff is for Mm. ages, but she was young when she wrote it. And the fact she comes to pretty much every performance we have, if she can make it and fit it into her schedule... She'll come and then she'll sit on stage with us during our discussion afterwards and be there to field any questions or kind of say her piece. So that's great. Yeah, it's really great. What that brings with this touring and uh, with I'm sure some of the questions that came up with the tour '67 because I know they do talkbacks for that. Yes, at Curious pretty regularly, if not every show. Mm-hmm. What do you feel? What is theater's purpose today? That's a big question. Yeah. I think theater has a lot of purpose, a lot of different purposes. I think that, and and in my doing theater, it's taken a lot of different paths, and each one has its own unique piece. Mm-hmm. I think some theater is truly just to entertain and to have a really great time. Mm-hmm. I think some theater is to make women's voices heard. I feel like that's what our Catamount show was to really hit home the feminist movement and to show women's empowerment in the world today. Uh, My work with Colorado Shakespeare Festival, that theater is not only to introduce young kids to theater and to hopefully spark in them either the urge to go see theater or to actually be in theater themselves, but it also we're there to help show them it, through Shakespeare's work, mm. what violence could look like in a world and how we can then prevent it. Mm. So that's all about violence prevention. And then Black with a capital B, Detroit 67, these help bring out conversations about race that you might not otherwise have had with anyone. And by seeing these pieces, the hope, I think, is that you go home talking about something, mm. no matter what it was. Like, if it was, I don't know just a a fluffy play, I hope you go home saying how entertaining it was and how funny this section was and you're having a conversation about it. Or, preferably, if it's a really deep show that brings up hard, hard topics, I hope that you're going home having a conversation being like, well, this part I didn't really understand. And then the person that you're talking to is like, well, I did understand that part. Let me explain to you how I see that and Mm -hmm. how this works. And, um, yeah. I know that after I read the play Black with a capital B for the first time, I had about a two-hour-long discussion with my husband about it afterwards. Mm. And we actually both read it out loud. We read it to each other, and he read one part and I read the other one. And, yeah, it just sparked this conversation that went on, and I think that that's what theater needs to do. It needs to get people talking about stuff that we would not ordinarily Mm -hmm. be addressing. Do you think that by addressing those conversations, it it, it will eat more easily or... That's the right, that's probably wrong. Anyway, do, do you find having those topics come up in theater, those questions come up after seeing your show, is that a great way to reach a younger audience? Yes. I, I think so. If, I mean, hopefully if that audience is there, I mean, we're bringing a lot of the theater to them. We're going mm. into their schools and we're making it accessible for them. Nice. So in that way, yes. I also hope that, I mean, in doing that, 
not only do I hope that it'll start to evoke change, but at the very least, start to embody, or people should start to embody more empathy for each other and be a lot more understanding and kind towards each other Mm -hmm. (laughs) through it. Nice. Yeah, it's uh, watching the, I would say, the, the state of current audiences. Like when we did Guards of the Taj, and when we lost, we lost some of the audience. Not not every night, of course. Mm-hmm. There, there were just you know, the handful of people over the course of a weekend that seemed put off huh. by the subject matter and the violence that goes into the gore. And it was great when they would stick around afterwards to talk to us yes. about it. But the people who were seemed to be the most riveted were the younger audiences. Huh. They, they, would, they were the ones that, even if they didn't have a question or wanted to give us a comment or a pat on the back, they would sit there for the talkbacks and just listen That's and great. really kind of take it in. And I find today so much of, we, I want to be involved in projects that are going to help, especially after talking with Jay during Guards of the Taj, just like find a way to reach out to that younger audience so they start getting season tickets. Right. And so they start coming in and seeing it more. Because I find, and I talked about this earlier today with Emma, that we, what did we talk about with Emma, Sam? We, you were trying to have these, you're trying to have these conversations, you're trying to reach people, and you want it to resonate. Mm-hmm. And if you can if you can do that to the younger audiences then i find that you're 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 creating stronger theater exactly. at least a stronger theater community the trick is getting them in the seats and Absolutely. how do you do that i mean what kind mm-hmm. of marketing do you need i hope that by going on these school tours and mm-hmm. introducing kids to theater bringing it to their cafeterias and to their gymnasiums mm-hmm. they're starting to develop a love for it and will be the ones that say well i want this is something i want to go to or this is something that i want to spend my time and money doing but to be honest, I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, did you find that your audiences for Guards of the Taj were a mix or were they primarily older? I would say audiences? it was about like some nice 70, 30. Okay. So that's, that's not bad. That's not bad at all. I mean, you're getting a lot of your regulars coming up there, but then you're all, I mean, for Boulder being such a, I, I envision a predominantly millennial crowd. Yes. Yeah. Or younger. Like it seems, it seems to make sense that that we would get a, a pretty decent percentage on that side, and if you just get twenty percent in there, you're mm-hmm. that's enough people to spread the word yeah. and to keep keep talking about the product. I mean, I would say it could be like a money thing. It's not cheap to no. to go to the theater, but at the same time, I mean, you've got some of those IMAX theaters that movie theaters that are now charging upwards oh, no. of yeah. eighteen bucks a it's ticket. Like, it was twenty five bucks for my one ticket to there go you see know. Black Panther. Yes. I'm like, I, well, I guess I won't get any popcorn. <laughs> I don't need the popcorn, but it would have been but nice. Still, it makes the experience. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and you you're paying for the screen and the type of seat that you want, but still, I feel like if we can offer enough kind of, I don't know, preview deals mm-hmm. and different sorts of... I know uh, Betsy for a while was doing Tech Tuesdays Ooh. where they would have a Tuesday night performance and invite people, young folks in the Boulder tech industry that is very up and coming to come and see the shows. Nice. Um, and I'm not quite sure. I'll have to check in to see if that's still happening. I don't think we have any Tuesday night performances, so maybe it's not quite in the same way, but yeah. I feel like it's a good idea to start trying to bring people in. Definitely. It, it's it's just 
it's incumbent upon, I find it's incumbent upon us as a theater community to reach out to as many people as possible and to, to, get, to get the voices um, that are coming to see us to see to put on the shows that they want to see. Mm-hmm. I mean, because yes. they can get a lot of it from, especially with the way media is being presented now, YouTube is going to have their own TV channel soon. It, yeah. I mean, everything is streaming and available for consumption in an entire sit-down period. They, we need, well, we can't necessarily do theater like that. It's difficult and to be, to move, leave your house and sit there for an eight-hour binge period of, right. of really good theater. Like, it may be riveting, but then the chairs aren't always the most comfortable. So, mm-hmm. but I mean, trying to present things to them that they that they bite into. Yeah. I think I think one of the one of the main reasons why I started the podcast is because I find that this is what a lot of millennials talk about is podcasts, You're and so I want right. to try and to tap into that as best I can. I think that's great. Yeah, thank you. I don't know where that accent came from though. I, I was, was trying to be. It. Thank you. Yeah, it's very down I here in the yeah, very back here. Nice. Yeah, I think too. I mean. Speaking of things that younger folks want to see, mm-hmm. I, I love this new wave of plays that are short and sweet. Yeah. You know, the ones that are like 90 minutes long, no intermission, mm-hmm. um, and, and more contemporary. I think that that's a cool new direction that plays have started to take. Absolutely. And I, I, that's what going to a place is. That's, it's about, I think it runs about an hour and a half, mm-hmm. no intermission, uh, very contemporary and modern with the issues that it deals with and mm-hmm. very modern in the writing of it too. Yeah. I was noticing as I was memorizing my lines, my character ends a lot of her sentences with so, with the word so, <laughs> or but, or the word or. So why are you, why are you calling me or... Nice. And at first I was looking at it and I was like, this is so silly. Like no one says that, but... I was like, oh, I just did it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then I started to notice that's how I talk. So the, the playwright, Becca Brunstetter, really is delving into how we sound right now mm. and how we're speaking and the differences between how this younger person, Ellie, is speaking versus her grandparents who are going to talk differently than her, yeah. you know? It's... From maybe a little more on the complete sentence tip. Yes, exactly, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so, it's... there, I did it again. So, nice, this. Yeah. Very, but... But yeah, or so so. Okay. Right. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> now, where where are we going with this? <laughs> I don't know. Oh man. Um, would you? I was gonna. I had something. Forgive me. It's my second one of the day. That's. I understand. This is giving me a, a little break to have a sip of this delicious. Stole Sparkling it? water. Yeah. So so soleil. 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 Mm-hmm. Because it's cheaper at Safeway than La Croix. So. Oh well, it tastes just as good. Yeah. I, I found it to be a little more sweeter. Mmm. Mm. I've never had the blood orange to do like a direct comparison. Yes. The, Neither have I. I I've had the, the standard orange. Ah. Mm-hmm. How is a blood orange different? Well, I think it's more of a reddish in color. Yeah, a little reddish in color. At least, from what I understand, it's blue until you cut into it. Little science joke. Oh. <laughs> there you go. It took me a second. Yeah, too well, long. It's okay. A I, second too long. If I had if I had my side man over there, he would have been a rim shot and you oh, would have gotten it. Oh yeah. yeah. That would have helped me. Yeah, there's no there's no rim shots here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just it's just me. Do it. And the horn. <laughs> me. 
Yeah. You should have given yourself a horn after that great I joke. Re- I really should have. Yeah. I like how you said great joke and bl- immediately looked at the floor. Is that because I didn't believe it when I said it? That might have been. It might have been. Might have been your tell. It may be. It may I did be. over here again. Please don't bring me to Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> No. It'd be terrible. No, you just can't. There's no, there's no poker face yeah, in no. here. Mm-mm. It's like, woo! <laughs> <laughs> I love these guys. <laughs> this is such a good hand. Yes. I'll go all in. <laughs> Gold. <laughs> I was hearing a little bit of Marmy in that. Oh, oh, Marmy. Yes. Yes. She was so much fun, and I really wish I got to keep the dress. Oh, you didn't? I didn't get to keep the dress. No, Stephanie wanted to keep it. I don't know who else she would put it on. <laughs> who, who's that going to go on? That's no one's going to, she's going to keep that in a back room or something. And they're like, look at this, I made this. <laughs> For a man. For a man. <laughs> a, a, a quite beautiful man, I may, yes. I may say. I had to shave for that. Not, not and really. you had that lovely shade of lipstick. Mm. Oh, I still kept, I kept it. Do you have that? Yeah, that's nice. it was the. I like to keep a prop if I can from every show. Oh. And that was the prop. I, I think that was uh, Lucy's really blood red lipstick. I'm I like, bet it was. Man, every once in a while, I like to wear it um, in the dark, with sad music playing. Oh. Yeah, and think of Marmy. Yeah. She well, was she the, she was a beauty. She was the sweetest gal I ever knew. <laughs> yeah. I had a a random thought conversation with myself about how Marmy and Joseph hooked up. Oh. The two parts that I played. It made me me really uncomfortable. What would you even, like, incestual, but not? Uh, Yeah, I guess on some ethereal plane of just grossness and and (laughs) argumentative grossness, I find. That Lucy red lipstick's all over Joseph's face. Oh, man. Just everywhere. Let's just take it there. It is hard to get a particular shade of red that's like a Lucy red. Oh man, it's not. It's I mean, not you easy. have to do some color mixing. And, and look at this face. It gets all. It gets all red. That same thing happens to me. I cannot sport the red. You can't. I I have to do pinks. Oh man. I mean, I already have pink skin as it is, and I'm usually just pink all over. And then if I put red lipstick on, mm-hmm. then I'm just even darker pink all over. Yeah. It, when I put on the red. People just think my lips got really tanned. <laughs> like, what do you think? I just go to the tanning bed and just, just stick the duck lips just in there. Part. Mm-hmm. Mm. Get the let's, let's zap it. Yes. So, Anastasia, when you got started out, what is something you wished? Um, what was the ghost light you wish was left on for you? That little piece of advice. Well, that I like you, that the ghost you, light that was left on for yeah. me. See, it's almost like it's the title of the podcast. Almost. Almost. It actually is. That's where it came from. Whoa. I know. Did you mind, my mind. Yeah. yeah. Did you do you want a shot or take a take a walk for a second? <laughs> I'm gonna have to clear my mind. Yeah, definitely. What was the ghost light I wish had been left on for me? There are a lot of them. Mm, give them to me. I think one is uh really be open to learning from your fellow actors. Mm. I think as I'm trying, I still am striving to do that, but I think younger me was a lot more, if you can believe it, closed off and less open to, I, I feel like I always took direction well from a director, mm-hmm. but I was very much less open to any kind of criticism or help from other people. Mm. And 
I think that not only from fellow actors, but just from other people that are willing to help out. I think taking that and not getting defensive about it, not getting upset about it, mm-hmm. just really taking it in and learning how you could use it. Yeah. And if you don't need it, throw it out. But if it helps, use it. So at least don't uh, dismiss it right away. What if, what if it's a douchey line reading from a co-star? Oh, well, if that's the case, then you can just throw that right out. Nice. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you just take that. Take that away. Yeah. Uh, and then also to, uh, to try and be as generous as you can as How an so? actor. I think that as actors, we all, at least I do and so many that I've met, we all have a tendency to be a little insecure, a little self-conscious, mm-hmm. a little in our heads, for me, I'm always like, well, I'm doing it. Like, this is so terrible. I'm doing such bad work right now. And, oh, I got to I gotta be better. And I got to get out of my head. And I got to do this. And I got to do that. And sometimes it can make all the difference when someone else in the cast comes up to you and says, you know, it's really a pleasure working for you. And you're really good at this, actually, Sam. Mm. You are one of those people that's really generous as an actor to be able to say what you enjoy about the other person and what you think they're good at. And I feel like that makes... When someone does that for me, it makes such a difference, and I need to uh, pass it on oh. in my in my life. Well, well, thank you for that. There was a there was a one to two week stretch when we were doing more, is where because I was surrounded by so much talent, and it didn't help being in the Denver Center. With oh, me. No. Like I would I would get there early, and then there's Timothy McCracken walking. There, yes. And I'm like, oh god damn it! And so I would just get in my head about like, be the best, be the best in the room. Show up and knock them out of the park because everyone's making all these amazing choices around you. And I, I was—I had mentioned to Emma today when I saw her in Beauty Queen, where I was just like, "I'm not doing work like that." That that voice, at some point, inevitably starts to get louder sure. and louder during the course of the rehearsal process. And it's that can be that can be tricky to shake. But mm-hmm. it's once you get to that place of whether it's comfort with lines or the choices you made to this point, with the direction you're getting. It's you gotta you gotta let it breathe and be open to the to the things that are being given to you either on stage in a particular moment or backstage in a conversation with somebody. Yeah. It's all of those things can really help create just the atmosphere of the the atmosphere that the play takes. Like if it's like you on the moors was such a fun time. Mm-hmm. And it was such a fun time off stage. Yes. Like, I mean, they just, we, they were like, I, I took a selfie in the, in the girls' room, and all of you seemed to be getting along with each other. Like, all, like, all of these women just having a great time letting this weird guy dressed in a, in a, in a 34 double D. You were one of the D. gals. Yeah, yeah, with you my, with my Sodan jugs. <laughs> <laughs> I love that picture, though. Oh, it's, it's such, yeah. It's one of my favorites. Uh, but yeah, it, when you can create that type of atmosphere with your friends, or you make it feel like you're working with your friends, that plays. Mm-hmm. And while you don't want to say create a contentious relationship backstage, so that reads right out on out on stage uh, for a, a contentious drama or something like that, you it it's it's nice to be able to to receive those gifts. Agreed. Definitely, um, Anastasia. Thank you so much for sitting down with us. Thank you. It is. It is almost, let me see here, 5, 5 16 in the right. p.m. You were kind enough to join us before rehearsal. It, it means a lot to it me. It was my pleasure. I, I really hope your your first day off book goes well. Thank you. Yeah. I do as well. Yeah, not bad. 
knock on wood, they throw a little salt. Are you superstitious? Yeah. No, the only superstition I have is the ghost light. Oh, okay. I I mean, not all stages in Colorado require one to leave a ghost light on. Really? Yeah, but I love it. I I do too. Yeah, it's just how awesome. Because I like to hang out late at theaters and talk to my co-stars if I can and just just kind of soak up the environment and when I leave a theater like Miner's Alley has a ghost light and I always love taking a look mm-hmm. at it when I was at the Arvada Center they had this they had this ghost light that I would sit with after nice. shows for an hour usually before I, I got yelled at to leave by the security <laughs> guard so yeah just to soak it all in but the ghost lights the ghost lights yeah follow us on Podbean and iTunes subscribe today give us that five star rating because I need your love I need it um, the, again, folks, the song is War by the Hypnotic Brass Ensemble. This has just been another amazing day in the spring break bonanza. Let me hear it. Yeah! So please join us again tomorrow. We'll be back, and uh, we're not going away anytime soon. Again, the guest, Anastasia Davidson. The show, going to a place where you already are, opening April 12th. Get your tickets at Betsy.org. If you can, check out Black with a capital B. That would be awesome if you're in a school nearby or whatever. Make that happen. Um, Once again, folks, the ghost slides. We out this mofo. (laughs)